0: The odds of everything unfolding into this moment was like insurmountable and it really changed my outlook on life in general. You could say baseball is a boring, you know, not really anything good more than entertainment, but you can't really say that baseball hasn't radically changed my life because I would say I would not be who I am without Mike Russo and that home run and that whole postseason run. It had a lot of meaning to me, but not everything clicked about what I said prior about, you know, having a new outlook on life. And during that winter, I had a lot of time to kind of ask myself, like, why do I really enjoy baseball? I kept thinking about it, and this home run vividly stood out in my mind. I have to make something about this. I don't care. Like, I have to make something.
1: What's up, Bucketheads? Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to episode number 67 of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. I'm your host, Anna DiTomaso, and each week on the show, I speak with a different baseball fan about their favorite memories, what's left on their baseball bucket list, and what the game of baseball means to them. This week, I sat down with Spencer McCann from the Clearwater, Florida area. Spencer is a recent fan of baseball, becoming interested in the game in just about the last five years or so. He's a college senior who is studying sports management and recently held an internship with the Clearwater Threshers. We chat about how he found baseball, the story of how he became one of the Threshers' team photographers, and about Mike Brasso's 2020 ALDS home run off of Aroldis Chapman to send the Rays to their second ALCS this story is super relatable for me, obviously, as a Rays fan, but I think that most baseball fans have a moment like this etched in their mind where they kind of realize that baseball means more to them than just the game. Maybe you start to unpack things that happened earlier in the game or the season or even a certain player's life that had to happen just so in order to make this moment happen. It's a great episode, and I can't think of a better way to kick off the 2022 postseason So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy some baseball banter with Spencer McCann. Spencer, thanks so much for being here today on the Baseball Bucket List podcast. How are things in sunny Florida?
0: Not quite as sunny right now. We got a little bit of a tropical storm right now, but hopefully it'll pass over soon.
1: So you are just outside of Clearwater or you live in Clearwater?
0: Uh, About 30 minutes from Clearwater, yeah.
1: Very cool. So I was I used to live in Sarasota, which is, you know, just a scooch south of there. I miss it every day. But you know, hopefully I'll be back there sooner rather than later. Let's dive in then. Tell me how it is that you fell in love with the game of baseball. Kind of how did you get started with the game?
0: So I grew up in Florida my whole life, and so for a long time I actually never even played baseball ever before. So I never really had an appreciation for the game, and it was always just a sport that I played, and then it really didn't have any significant meaning to me at all. And when I was in like middle school, high school, I didn't care about the Rays or any baseball team at all. But um, when I I heard the story of Moneyball, and I watched the movie, and I got infatuated with Bill James and the Moneyball book by Michael Lewis. And that just kind of captivated me because I felt like no other sport had that statistical analysis at hand and available for everyone. So that whole statistical side of the game really captivated me. It was like, hey, you can be a $20 million payroll team and you can still win just as much as the New York Yankees kind of thing. So that kind of side always captivated me because before sports always felt like it's kind of all luck. And then once I saw the statistical side of the game it really made sense and I've read every article, every book, every baseball reference page I've ever seen. Like it all kind of made sense. And that's when around 17, and 18, I uh, started having more of a greater appreciation for the game.
1: 2017, 2018, or like you're 17 and 18 years old.
0: Yeah, I was born 2000. So like I was, oh, uh, same 18. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> cool. So yeah, that's one of my absolute favorite things about baseball. I love that, you know, You can have what appears to be kind of this ragtag group of individuals who somehow collectively are better than a team made up of superstars. So the Moneyball kind of ideology resonates with me a lot, too. And it's just one of the reasons that I love the game so much. Let's see. 1718. So that's like, what, five years of baseball fandom
0: yeah, I've been trying to consume as much as I can since I'm a little bit behind, but yeah. yeah, I've been trying to do as much as I can to catch up.
1: <laughs> All right. So on the west coast of Florida, there, are you a Rays fan?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I live like only 45 minutes away from St. Petersburg. So yeah, I've been a big Rays fan and then like always followed the race casually before, but never really to the hyper extensive way I do now. But you know, especially when I was just into the story of Moneyball and just so happened to the most analytically advanced team and you know, our current baseball era was, you know, right next to me. So that always captivated me. And then the small market, always like smaller markets of a bigger market team. So, yeah, for sure, bigger race fan.
1: Do you get down to the trop very often or a handful of times a year?
0: Yeah, I normally try to go to that between four to five games with my dad and family, things like that. I normally for a birthday as well, if I can.
1: So who is your favorite player on the current team?
0: Uh, he's struggling a bit right now, but G-Man Choi. So before I was a big baseball fan, Carlos Pena was. I always like that big man first baseman kind of personality. Yeah. Uh, so it was Carlos Pena before, currently G-Man Choi. Every time I've ever gone to a race game, he's done phenomenal. So I always you know, assumed the charm that I was his lucky charm. <laughs> uh, the last game I went to, he was like four for five versus the Angels. Yeah, he always does crazy stuff, just plays the game the right way you know fun you know it's overall great personality He's plays the right way
1: yeah i mean so it seems kind of selfish if you're his good luck charm that you're not down at the trot more often especially right now he is struggling a bit but g-man is one of the greatest personalities in baseball i mean what a blast to watch just full of joy impressively limber for a guy that size <laughs> there's just so much to love about him so i, I definitely see why Listeners can't see, but right now you're wearing a Beach Dogs hat, which is, you know, one of my favorite identities in minor league baseball. But I have a feeling you're wearing that hat more than just because you you like the way it looks. So why don't you yeah. tell us what's going on with you and the Beach Dogs, otherwise known as the Clearwater Threshers?
0: I'm currently a senior and I need an internship. So and I got an internship over the summer at the ballpark with the Clearwater Threshers. <laughs> Eventually turned into a job for photography for them, for the team photography and a few other uh, outreach events. And uh, yeah, and then every Friday night we do the the beach dog thing. It was one of my favorite nights to get to run around the camera taking pictures of dogs. Like, you're going to tell me that's a job? No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we do that every uh, last Friday of every home game. And overall, it's one of the greatest experience working at a minor league ball club. But yeah, I'd made a lot of the team photography, things like that, which has been a great experience for this course of summer. It's my first year here. And uh, just working with everyone there, there's been so many people that's been there for 10 plus years and hearing their stories and everything they love about the team and their own side of the story. It's been really, really cool to hear and work with people there.
1: Yeah. So every Friday that they play at the Beach Dogs, they let dogs into the park. It's like a bark in the park, too.
0: Yep. So, yeah, they, the players wear their own special jerseys, which are my favorite jerseys. The origin behind the Beach Dogs name, too, was... Uh, Because they were the Clearwater Phillies in like 2006, I believe. Mm -hmm. And they did an change to the Clearwater Threshers. And the runner up was the Clearwater Beach Dogs. And the only reason it was the runner up because there's like copyright issues, basically. Mm. But they're still and they made that an alternate identity, which they didn't have to avoid anything copyright wise. That's a story I've heard in the offices, at least. So, but they still like to do alternate identity. It's one of like, this is like our best selling merch I've heard across jerseys, shirts, hats, everything. So we wish we could make it our full time name, but it's still great to do an alternate identity, you know, a couple times a month.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a great logo. I love it. It's like, I don't know, I would guess like a golden retriever type looking dog. He's surfing yeah. on a surfboard. He's <laughs> got a Hawaiian shirt. He's holding a baseball. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, what is a beach dog for people who aren't from Florida?
0: Uh, so we have beaches everywhere, of course, you know, in Florida and like people take their dogs all the time, things like that. So you take your dog for a walk around the causeway, Dunedin, Clearwater. We got a bunch of beaches. We got like dog beaches where you can just take your dogs and like public beaches and things like that. So yeah, anything like that.
1: Yeah. So we had Baseball Poodle's dad on the podcast a while ago. And I know that Baseball Poodle has been out to your ballpark there in Clearwater pretty often during the the beach dog days. So. I know Baseball Poodle Panda Bear is very excited to hear a friendly voice. Talk about, you, you have some other responsibilities with the team. What else is it that you're doing at the ballpark? And I guess, first of all, it would be a good idea to kind of tell people who don't know about the Threshers what level they are, who they're affiliated with, all that kind of stuff.
0: So, I started as an intern. The first thing I did was that I started right in the middle of spring training. We started doing a lot of community outreach events. So, it was handing out a pocket schedule, letting people know, hey, we're here in the community. Hey, here's our Dollar Tuesdays. Here's when our fireworks are. Here's how often we play at home, kind of thing. Um, We did a lot of like community events too. We went to schools, things like that. For specifically, for back to school, we handed out backpacks. Um, We uh, collected toys for Toy Drive as well. We had a really, really cool experience where during the July, you know, Christmas for July, the last week of July, we collected toys. And if you gave anything, like literally anything, you get free four free tickets. Mm-hmm. And then basically all those toys, we ended up donating in the hospital. We took our mascot, a few players. It was cool to go see the hospital, see the kids, their faces light up, things like that. So it's a lot of community events. And, and oh, yeah, we did 5Ks, back to school, is a lot of just stuff, making sure, letting people know we're in the community. You know, I feel like every minor league ball club should have that responsibility because you're ultimately not, you know, this massive Tampa Bay Rays kind of style thing. So it's nice to be able to give back to the community as well as providing the sport of baseball.
1: Yeah. A little ironic that the the affiliate of the Threshers is the Phillies, you know, the, the team that beat us in 08 at the World Series. But I give them yeah. a pass only because of their identity and not, you know, I'm glad that they rebranded away from just being the Phillies because that would have been a little too painful. But you're so you're in school now.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I just started my senior year this year and I'm in for it's a double major sports management and theology.
1: Oh, very cool. That's an interesting combination, but I kind of like it. I mean, I guess if you if you think back to what you said about the moneyball analytical side of things, it, it kind of clicks. How is it that you watch a game that might be a little different than like a typical baseball fan? If you've got this this kind of infatuation with the analytical side, maybe you're thinking about what the managers doing, maybe you're kind of one or two moves ahead of the average fan. Is does does your outlook and your perspective on how much you like the strategic side of baseball kind of impact how you watch the game?
0: So it's kind of shifted and altered since I first started watching uh, four or five years ago, because originally it was purely like these guys are numbers on a stat sheet kind of <laughs> thing, more straight to baseball reference kind of thing. And uh, there was a really good book called The Shift. I forget the author's name, but it was a really good book. And he dives into some, you know, entry level saver metrics. But my favorite part is that he lets you know the journey to the minor leagues and the, the journey to the majors, things like that. And it's like he refers a lot to the book as like when you were 18, did you know how to do your laundry? Did you know where to go to get to work? Do you know how to be professional? And he talks about the journey and that these guys are human too, just like you and I, you know, it's not like these guys are just a bunch of numbers. So It's kind of the combination of that that's grown since. So I'm really happy where I'm at with how I enjoy a game because we can be down 16-0, I can still enjoy a game unlike I was four or five years ago. But overall, it's kind of just becoming more understanding the human aspect to the game and not just, you know, well, this guy's a clutch hitter, but also is like, hey, this guy's got a family. This guy, you know, is minor league. He needs to work a part-time job. You know, this isn't his only job. You know, it's understanding that we're all humans. And especially with doing the team photography, I get to talk a lot to the players and it comes even more personal. It's like, you know, a guy had a tough night and I'm like, I feel bad for him too. It's not like, oh, you should have walked more. No, it's, it's grown more sense.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So you kind of have like more of an emotional perspective as to how those guys might be feeling, which is something that like I hate to see on Twitter, on Facebook, on whatever it is when, you know, a guy is struggling. Like, let's say it, it's Brandon Lau last year or in 2020 in the postseason. Just the the nonstop hate because you know nobody in the world wants Brandon Lau to hit a baseball more than Brandon Lau right now. Yeah. So it's it's cool that you kind of have that inside perspective to, to know and realize that like these are guys and they're not just robots playing a game. So that's neat. When you're working as a photographer for the Threshers, do you get access down in like into the the dugout and on the field and all of that cool stuff?
0: Yeah, so I've been on the field before. I have like a field pass thing. I've been in the clubhouse and the dugout before. I'm not there every time because I obviously like to get different angles, things like that. So I'm, I'm running around the ballpark 24-7, which has been cool because I've had a lot of opportunities to talk to fans, season ticket owners like uh, last week, the last homestand. We had a family from UK. They've never been to it. They didn't know what baseball was. They just stopped by and saw it, And I had a conversation with them. People see me taking pictures. and like, oh, what camera do you use? And it's good opportunities to start a conversation. So I've met a lot of people I would not otherwise met running around. But yeah, I'm a little bit everywhere. So normally at the start of the game, I'll do something around there and then work my way across depending on, you know, is you a lefty, is you a righty, depending whatever situation's at.
1: That's cool. So it, it's neat too that you get to like run into all kind of different types of people at the ballpark too. You know, I'm sure you have people who understand entirely what's going on on the field, and then some who are like, you know, this is a great hot dog, or you know, whatever it may be. But what's the plan after college? So you're you just started your final year. What what are you kind of thinking after after you graduate here in May? I would guess.
0: Yeah. So obviously cinematography, photography things like that, that's my favorite thing to do. And after that, I'm, I've been an assistant store manager at a shoe store for a while, so I'm really good at like operations and things like that. And I've always wanted to work in minor league baseball because I love that whole setting, you know, the family atmosphere, the yeah. you know, overall just great vibes things like that. So I've always wanted to work for minor league ballpark in Florida. We have so many teams in the Florida State League. So Clearwater Thresher is by far my number one choice, but Dunedin Blue Jays is a really nice downtown area. But uh, yeah, just kind of working with the jobs, getting my way, getting my foot in the door, working with one of these minor league teams for operations, photography, things like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you're off to a great start. Really intelligent of you to kind of like segue your internship into a, a job now. And then, you know, you would expect that there would be a future for you, if not with the threshers, someone else there, you know, in a short, short distance. So that's cool. I'm I'm excited to kind of follow along with you and see what happens. How is it that you got started with your interest in photography and cinematography? What what kind of piqued that interest?
0: So we had an English teacher in my high school who I've never heard this in any other high school, but you like have students for a group project make a film. And that kind of made me aware of cinematography and photography. So the film project that we did wasn't the greatest film obviously ever created, but it got my interest sparked and I, I bought a camera uh, and I started just photography as a hobby. I like doing a lot of nature at the time when I bought my camera. I wasn't really into baseball or anything like that. So I did a lot of uh, nature stuff. And then that kind of gradually progressed as I got baseball into doing baseball photography. Yeah, So basically how I got started with photography with the Clearwater Threshers was uh, I did a couple of road games. I did a few pictures for them and I sent them. They liked it and then kind of gradually worked on through there. But yeah, just kind of letting them know that hey, this is something I've been doing for the past six or five years as a hobby. You know, you feel free to use these pictures however you like. And yeah, it's just slowly grown over the course of the last five, six years, trying to understand a better depth and things like that. My original degree choice was actually in uh, cinematography, but um, I had a lot of friends and uh, former football teammates who went there and they were only ever getting like, advertisement jobs. Mm-hmm. And that's just something, wasn't something I wanted to do. And then... It kind of just kind of kept pushing through and then sports management kind of popped up to the degree and then eventually led into photography with Threshers now. So it's been a cool journey. It cost six, seven years with that.
1: So when you sent the Threshers those photos from the road games, was that the first contact you had with them? Like, is that how you got started with the organization or were you already working with them at that time?
0: yeah so i started the internship uh spring training we did the community events for the first two or three months or so i uh, maybe the first month into the thresher season i was i would go to games anyways on the road especially if it was Dunedin near tampa which is right next to me so i just go to Dunedin games and i'm taking pictures anyways like i would do anyways and uh, and then i was like hey i was at the Dunedin stadium you know here's some pictures you feel free to use them and then that kind of gradually led to them asking like oh hey I worked on the 2022 Threshers card set. Like, hey, there's some new players for the cards that we want to use. Can you get some pictures? And then that kind of gradually led into like, hey, it's Beach Dogs night. Do you find it if you bring your camera? And yeah, just kind of slowly things fell in line. And now I've been doing it pretty much every every ball game.
1: That's crazy. I love that. I love that you took so much initiative, right? Because, I mean, that's the thing is several people have kind of ideas of what they want to do or dreams or whatever it is. And, and they just... It's almost like they could talk themselves out of just taking that first step, right? But you go, Mm -hmm. you just send them the photos and you think, what's the worst that could happen? They don't use them. They say thanks and don't use them. And now look at you. So, I mean, what an incredible like portfolio piece for for your post-grad job exploration. And that's cool. That's really cool to hear. All right, Spencer, now's the time. You got to tell us what is your favorite baseball memory?
0: I remember the day specifically, uh, it was October 9th to 2020. It was the Mike Bresso home run, as you probably know, of Ronis Chapman that ended up winning the Rays, the series, and moving on to the ALCS. That moment is my favorite just because there's been so much buildup for the past years not even just that year. The Yankees and the Rays thrown at each other all the past five or six years. It's plenty of arguments, fights, things like that. Hey, who's better? If we're better, we have a better record this year. It's a lot of bickering. And I feel like in 2020, it completely unfolded. It felt like it was a, a narrative that's been lasting for years and years and years. And then this was like the final finale. I had always been really negative, cynical, and just my outlook on not just sports, but like life. Like me and my dad, whenever we talk sports, it'd be like, oh, what do you think the Bucks record is going to be? I'm like, probably probably won't win a game. <laughs> like, yo, you want to go to the park? It's probably going to rain. I was always negative in that kind of outlook. And this Mike Brasso home run the odds of everything unfolding into this moment was like insurmountable and it really changed my outlook on life in general so like you could say baseball is a boring you know not really anything good more than entertainment but you can't really say that baseball hasn't radically changed my life for the better because i would say i would not be who i am without mike brusso and that home run and that whole postseason run
1: man i can i can totally relate because I I can if I if I close my eyes and I think about it I can think of exactly where I was standing when he hit that home run in my kitchen and you know you're you're absolutely right all of the things that had to unfold not only in that game not only in the past like couple years the animosity between the Rays and the Yankees but Mike Brasso's entire life his entire career you know he's he's undrafted out of Oakland University in in Michigan, which I've only ever heard of because my uncle went there, signs with the Rays for a thousand dollars, and then just struggles like pretty consistently. But then you know, like my goodness, talk about a moment in your life where you just step up and do what you need to do. And um, I don't think Yankees fans understand the gravity of that situation for Ray's fans and what that meant to us. You know, I know it was devastating for them. They're frustrated with Chapman, but man, I just, you know, as soon as, as soon as that game was over, cause he hit that home run in the eighth inning and all we had to do was get three more outs. And, as soon as that happened, I called my dad and he just, he picks up the phone and he goes, did you hear me? And he lives in South Carolina, but he said he was screaming at the top of his lungs. And, uh, man, what an incredible moment. What a great story. I'm, I'm right there with you. Like so silly that it's just a child's game. But when something like that happens and you hear the narrative behind it, it just gives you inspiration and it just changes you, which is incredible.
0: One of the things I like even more about it was, because um, I made that that short little video on it just because I wanted to make it. Yeah. And the literally the one of the last, they talk about how Mike Rousseau is built the hit off lefties. That's what he's been trained to do most of his career. That's what he does the best. And then literally the last line from the announcer's mouth before he hits the home run is, Chapman's no regular lefty. And like, like you cannot write a better line for him to say that. And then... Right away. He hits a home run off Mike Chapman, one of the fastest throwing lefties of his time.
1: Yeah. And let's not forget that the day before, Chapman had almost, you know, knocked his lights out with a hundred mile an hour fastball that missed Brasso's head by inches, if if even that. So I mean <laughs> revenge is sweet for sure. But yeah, I mean, prior to that moment. My favorite baseball memory had been the 2008 ALCS. It's easy to say that like now it's Mike Brasso and he will forever be a Ray. He is a Dan Johnson. He's an Evan Longoria. <laughs> he is, you know, a, a Ray forever after after that heroism. Brett Phillips, another forever Ray. So tell folks about the YouTube video that you shared with me about Brasso's home run. Talk about why it is that you made that was it was it an assignment for school was it just something that meant something to you and who was the guy who was the narrator because he has a, a phenomenal accent.
0: <laughs> so um, I, when Mike Rosso hit that home run, like it had a lot of meaning to me, but not everything clicked about what I said prior about you know having a new outlook on life. And uh, over time during that season, of course, we lost the twenty twenty World Series, and obviously my heart was broken. And I was like, "Do I want to keep putting my heart in the line?" Kind of here because that was that was still you know relatively early into when I my baseball fandom started. And during that summer, I had a lot of or winter, I had a lot of time to kind of ask myself like, "Why do I really enjoy baseball?" And I thought about it a lot. Like, "Oh, was it the home runs? Was it you know nasty curveballs?" And like, I kept thinking about it, and this home run vividly stood out in my mind. And like, I have to make something about this. I don't care. Like, I have to make something. So I wrote a script about it, let it sit for a couple of months, and then I made some readjustments. What I thought was more poetic about it. The narrator, I I recorded it with my own voice. I just didn't have a great microphone at the time, so I didn't really the quality be super bad with it. (laughs) Um, So I just hired a guy on Fiverr for like five bucks, and he was he was from England, and I don't (laughs) think he knew anything about baseball, so there's a few like grammatical errors. I remember he said like he's batting one seventy five or .75 something like that when he talks about batting averages. But um, yeah, I've actually made a few other scripts for like because I'm, I don't, I don't know anything about the Chicago Cubs that well or that much. But the whole drought era is really interesting to me, so I have a script for that as well. But yeah, I just made a video kind of purely out of just I had to get this out and not just on a paper. I wanted to make some sort of video on it. It's mainly unlisted just because I didn't love the quality of the things like that i was just bought that video editor i was just kind of getting into editing and you know shooting cinematography things like that so yeah i was hoping to maybe improve upon that later on make a more refined version but yeah you can anyone listening can go ahead and watch that video i'll make it public
1: yeah anyone who was watching that game it like it really hits home like it man, it it had me tearing up because it just, the things you hit on about it were just so like, I could relate to them so much. So I really enjoyed it. What is it about Brasso's home run that you think kind of changed your perspective on things? You know, you said that, that it made you more positive from that moment forward. Was it just that like he did it and and nobody really believed that he was gonna do it, or kind of what was it?
0: So at this time I was thinking players more as stash sheets rather than people. So when you see an undrafted guy, you you're talking about a thousand six, you know, over over a thousand players drafted ahead of him. He wasn't even really supposed to be signed, they just needed more backup infield a backup infielders yeah. for a rookie ball team, might I add, the lowest level. And you're just talking about a journey that statistically just defies everything you know about logic and like there, there's probably standout high school stars he passed there's standout college guys he passed there's so many people that he passed that should have by the normal baseball standards made it ahead of him yet this guy from oakland university that's not even in oakland it's in michigan right and he's he's killing it he, i mean i also think about the journey from there because you're talking i remember in the video i pointed out it was like an over a thousand mile journey and like it's probably even if you bought a plane ticket it still would have been a long time but the drive from like oakland university to florida i can only imagine like the amount of thoughts and like am i doing the right thing i just graduated college am i really doing the right thing and like he just like yeah okay i'm gonna keep playing baseball keep doing what i love and he just kind of taught me that you know putting your passions first like letting that drive me and if that fails then you know you're right you can go back you have something to fall on but overall it's just like the everything defied everything about it and where i was before i would go like oh yeah it's gonna rain tomorrow i don't, don't want to go anywhere it's gonna be you know so, you know works bad i don't want to go to work it's really changed me entirely because like almost in a sense like if he did it then like i can do it and you know if, if you know I was working, you know, as a sales associate back then at a, at the shoe store. And I was like, "Hey, if Mike Brosso can make it to the major leagues, then I can go work for a minor league ball club." But that was, you know, something that would have, you know, blown my mind at the time. And it just like radically changed how I think, how I talk, like everything about me was radically different since understanding why that moment meant so much to me more than just, "Oh, it's another," it was an awesome home run, you know, because there's you have those moments like, "Hey, that's a great home run," but this was like so much significant meaning, because even both the guys, between Chapman and Brasso, both of them had incredibly unlikely journeys, and right. it's just, everything about it just feels so poetic in a weird way, I want to say, but so poetically beautiful, and it just helped me a lot.
1: Yeah, it's funny how you can watch a scenario unfold, and it hits you, And you don't even necessarily understand why in the moment, you know, and it it takes some unpacking a little later on to kind of figure out why. But it's almost like we're hardwired to recognize stories that are good and stories that share lessons with us. And I think that was that was one of the biggest things that like resonated about that that day with me was like, I I don't care what else happens like through the rest of this postseason. Like, I don't care you know, it would be great if we if we beat the Astros, it'd be great if we would go on to win the World Series. But like that moment right there, after all of the garbage that 2020 was and, you know, everything like that, I was just I, I was right there with you. I, it's so it's so crazy to think about a guy who has that much faith in himself. You know, like you said, driving from from Michigan down to Florida You know, people were telling him he was absolutely crazy. They're like, you're going to do this for a thousand dollars. Like, why don't you go get a real job? Why don't you, you know, like, what? go do something with your life. So uh, the fact that he had that much confidence in himself and then again, like it all just came to fruition. It was just what a great moment. I want to know what's left on the baseball bucket list. Like, what's the one thing you would really, really like to do?
0: Is it right if I cheat and go two separate categories? Yeah. Okay. So for in terms of visiting stadiums, I've lived in Florida my whole life. So I'm trying to see as many like mountain ballparks, if you want to call them as that. I recently saw the Missouri Paddleheads ballpark. I'm like, that's my number one, like I need to go there kind of thing right now. But anything with a mountain ballpark is my favorite. And then the other stadium one is I want to go to every Florida State League stadium. I've only been to Dunedin, Tampa, and Clearwaters, obviously. So there's still Jupiter, Daytona. Ten and a few other teams. Yeah, so just kind of go ahead and see all the Florida State League stadiums. They're all unique and different in their own designs. And then my other category is um we've had a few walk offs this year, but none of them have been walk off homers. So I'd love to be able to take pictures for like a walk off homer game. Uh, we've had about two or three like walk off singles and doubles, but there's just something different about a walk off home run and any, whether it's game one or game 72 of a season, there's just something that's different about it. And you know the, the seeing a pat flip, especially if you know it's gone. But yeah, so just walk off. Being able to take pictures for a walk off game is probably my number one photography for baseball wish list.
1: Those are those are great items. I I I haven't been to many of the the Florida State League ballparks either, but I have been to a couple games in Bradenton, and it's a it's a phenomenal ballpark. It's a great ballpark, of course.
0: Yeah, like that. That I've seen like the videos and people talk about the stadium right It's like literally like in a neighborhood kind of thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very old time feeling, you know, it's, it's really cool. And um, of course it's where the pirates take spring training. So it, it kind of has some more of the amenities and cool things like that, but that's awesome. Spencer, this has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed chatting, always enjoy chatting raise baseball with anyone, but in particular, with you about that Brasso home run. One of the the greatest sports memories in my life, and, and it sounds like yours too. If people want to catch you online somewhere, where should they go to do that?
0: So I only have Instagram, and that's where I post my favorite pictures myself. Uh, it's just underscore Spencer McCann, my first and last name, underscore. So underscore at the beginning and end. That's where I post my favorite pictures. Make sure you follow the Threshers too. Most of those their pictures are the ones I made as well. But yeah.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. And I am off to the uh, Thresher's online store to to score that (laughs) excellent beach dogs hat you're sporting.
0: Appreciate it. Have a good day.
1: And that will wrap up this episode of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. Special thanks to Spencer McCann for coming on and sharing those memories and stories. If this sounds like something you'd like to do, if you think you might like to be a guest on the show, head to BaseballBucketList.com slash podcast and fill out an application there. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. While you're there, make sure to spend some time on the site. Sign up for a free membership so you can track those ballparks and build your own Baseball Bucket List. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening, we'll see you next episode.